Blog Talk Radio. The following is a disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of the Roman Show Network, its management, or other advertisers. Ladies and gentlemen, children across the... Oh, fuck it. Let's go off script. It's time for a reality check. The most real talk show on the net is back and better than ever. Covering all and everything with pro wrestling. The curse. The past. And especially the future of pro wrestling. We'll talk overcoming struggles from the independents to pros and news from all around the wrestling world. We have no filter, so controversy is always welcome. This is your reality check. <laughs> Hello, folks, and welcome to the most real talk show on the net. This is Reality Check Radio, and I'm your host, George Alonso. Welcome to another great edition. I cannot wait. I I was literally cringing, waiting for this episode, because today we have so many great topics, including last night's WWE Survivor Series, which, as a matter of fact, me and one of my fellow co-hosts here that uh, I'm about to introduce, uh, we're talking about right after the monumental match of Goldberg versus Lesnar and the outcome, and let me tell you folks, it was a surprising one. (laughs) So we'll be getting into that in just a minute. And also, of course, we got a major, major guest here today. We are talking about multi-time champion and women's wrestling veteran Casey Carlisle will be here on the show. Uh, I've had the honor of meeting her on a couple occasions. And uh, let me tell you something, she's a sweetheart, but most importantly, she's a professional. And she'll be here with us today on the program. Now... Let's go ahead and introduce you to my STEAM family, starting with the man that loves pain, but he's also the conscience of the show. I'm talking about Rick Foley. How are you, Rick? Good evening, George. Good evening, Lorraine. How are we today? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm beautiful as always. And I'm cold. I'll get out of here. (laughs) You know what, George? (laughs) what? You don't know what cold is. You need to come this way, and I'll come that way, and then you tell me you're cold. Hey, Millie, if Millie's listening, Millie, make George some hot cocoa, will you? Take it in the studio, please. <laughs> Listen, I'm cold. It, it, stop hating, okay? I'm cold. Anyway, so, guys, we we have a jam-packed show to talk to you about here tonight. I am very, very very, very, excuse me, I'm even catching a cold, look at that. I'm very, very excited to talk about today's show and excited to talk to the guest of the evening, Mrs. Casey Carlisle. So let's go ahead and start off with this. Guys, we have to talk about last night. <laughs> oh, boy, how, how can I even start this? Um, Rick, <laughs> you, you and I, man, we talked about it yesterday. <laughs> Goldberg yeah, and Lesnar. I, I, I can't tell you that I was surprised necessarily with the outcome, 
But the quickness of the match was a huge surprise, to say the least. I have to agree, because, like... Okay, I understand that you have to make Goldberg look like a tough guy. I, I, I'm not, I'm not dissing the fast ending. I'm not saying that it was a bad move. I'm not saying nothing bad about any of this. I am just saying, like, all that hype for 86 seconds. <laughs> I, well, a couple of things. I, I don't know one, how. He, he, I guess he did have some sort of a shoulder injury leading into it. How how bad was that injury? Probably didn't look too too bad from what we saw, the little that we saw of it. Uh, and I, I know some people had been saying, well, you know, because I had by the point, you know, he is 49 years old and he had been out of the ring for quite some time. And people brought up Sting and Undertaker, but those are guys that had been more active, you know, 12 years out of the ring, a long time to be out of the ring, and at age 49, you know, that's a tough, it's a tough mountain to climb, even though he was in great shape. You know, but that's it's not easy. No, yeah, of course, but I'm like I'm I'm dumbfounded. Like I I don't know, I really don't know how to put into words about the situation at hand because it, it, it basically it is what it is. It, it what happened happened. You know, there's there's no ifs or buts around it. But like. 86 seconds. L- L- Lorraine, what do you have to say? Well, let's put it this way. I was completely and utterly speechless last night when that happened. I was sitting here and I'm watching and I figured, okay, I, I, I figured he was, they were going to have him win. He was going to win. But as fast as it went, it completely and totally shocked me. Like, I was just like, Oh, my God, I couldn't cheer, I couldn't clap, my mouth was wide open, and I was just in complete shock. Um, I was disappointed that it happened so fast. But, well, yeah, that's what that's yeah. what I'm talking about. You know, as far as like all that hype, it, it gets you excited. That makes you want to say, "Oh my God, is the same thing that happened to Randy Orton going to happen to Bill Goldberg?" Even though it was highly unlikely, because we all know both of them are outheads. And if that did happen to to Goldberg, I don't think Lesnar will see the light of day. But it, it's it's the fact of. Damn, like I, I'm, I'm in complete and utter shock. And and let me tell you something. WWE did a great job. If that was what they were looking for, they left fans speechless. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when Undertaker lost his uh, streak at WrestleMania. Yeah, Except really, it was right. worse. Yep. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, but I, I feel like okay. I'm gonna ask this around the room. What do you think was worse? Like, I, I mean, not worse. I'm sorry. That's not the right term. What do you think was more shocking? The Undertaker undefeated streak losing, uh, ending or Lesnar losing at 86 seconds? Rick? Oh, I think, oh, I think historically the Undertaker's streak was, I thought to me, was much more, much more shocking to me. I mean, I, I didn't see that coming at all. Not, you know, with WrestleMania, for God's sake. You know, I, I didn't see it there. So that to me yeah, would always we, be more shocking. Yeah, but I didn't see. Neither did we see Lesnar being oh, no, a no, 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 no. Not, not, not in 86 seconds. No, no. 
Yeah, so if both of them are kind of like in the same platform, you know, technically, you know, Lorraine, what do you think? What was more shocking for you, The Undertaker or Lesnar? To be honest, uh, it's kind of hard to judge which one was the worst, more shocking, because with The Undertaker, you know, nobody really seen that coming, and... It was also heartbreaking at the same time for Undertaker's fans. But in the same aspect, a lot of people knew that Goldberg was probably going to win, but then you have the shock of it happening so fast. Yeah. So it's a little hard for me to see which one was more shocking. Um, I probably would have to say the Undertaker losing for the simple fact that, like Rick said, didn't see it coming. Not Well, okay, so here, here's, here's what I'm going to say. You know, this was just a little fun question for us, okay? Personally, me, I think the 86 seconds was a lot faster. I mean, shocking, because here you had a guy the size of a tank, okay? And, and uh, you know, he's the size of a tank. He's destroyed everyone in his path, from the Randy Ortons to the John Cena's to the Undertaker's, Okay? And all of a sudden comes the guy from 12 years not being in the ring, and he defeats him in 86 seconds. To me, that's more shocking. But let me just say this. I was taking into consideration when I was thinking about how what was more shocking with me is, one, nobody's going to win all the time. Eventually, somebody's going to beat that person. Secondly, um, uh, Goldberg had already beaten him the first time that they have ever met up. So I figured they weren't going to really bring him back and, you know, everything was just going to go, okay, well, Brock's going to win again. I figured with him talking about his family and and stuff like that, you know, Heyman talking about it and stuff, it built up a lot more aggression for Goldberg. Well, Here's my two cents in this case, Lorraine. My two cents is this. Whether it was The Undertaker being the most shocking factor or the, you know, or Lesnar losing in 86 seconds, we all have to applaud to the WWE that they finally got the fans' attention again. And not yep. because of the talent. Talent is there. Talent is there. And I'm talking about from the super heavyweights all the way down to the cruiserweights. Talent is there. I am talking about something that we haven't had in the WWE in a long, long time. And that is the shock factor. It's back. And I think that's what the WWE needed to survive in this era. And 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 personally, yeah. Personally, they did one hell, <laughs> one hell of a good job. So yes, they did. <laughs> you know, so what, what do you have to say about that, Rick? I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you, but I think what's going on here, I read some rumors that I guess there's, there's an angling for more matches, possibly even a match at WrestleMania between Goldberg and... And Lesnar, so that could play into it in terms of the quickness of this match. But absolutely, I mean, thought the pay-per-view itself was was really was really good. 
And absolutely, that was, you, know, you could see the expression on the people's faces when they panned the crowd. You know, hands yeah, on their heads. Exactly. They're exactly. Like, wow. and, and, and to read something off of uh, one of our co-hosts uh, here, our sister uh, here from Millie Cruz, uh, she actually pointed out a great point. Uh, she actually got a big following for the status that she put out. Let me read this to you by quote-unquote. Uh, I've been reading how the WWE Universe was disappointed in the Goldberg versus Lesnar. Yes, the match was short, but the WWE reminded you why Goldberg is just the greatest at what he does, even though it's been 12 years. He's been out of the ring. I personally was happy to see Lesnar lose because every match he's had, everyone puts him over. For once, someone else has been put over, and I'm super happy it was Goldberg for almost being 50 years old and for being gone for 12 years. That's my personal thoughts on that. That was Millie's opinion on the situation. Yep. Now, I think it's well written, and as somebody who is the same age as Goldberg, exactly, I, I, I thought it was fantastic. He looked great. Um, again, it didn't look like, and keep in mind it was only 86 seconds, but it great in the ring, and uh, I was very happy for him. Well, again, I'm going to say this again on the record. Personally, whether it was Goldberg or Lesnar, 86 seconds or not, what I'm most proud of is not that Goldberg won, because Lesnar could have won, and I still would have said, okay, great. But you know something? What I'm happy about is that the WWE brought back the shock factor. Okay? Which it was missing for a very, very long time in the WWE. I agree. So, and now people are literally, like, Rick, I remember you telling me this yesterday. Um oh, they must have done it for a reason. They must have done it for a reason. You know, there must have been a reason that it ended so quick. Yep. I'm going to give you credit where credit is due on that. So now you know what's happening? Now everyone's cramming into the Air Canada Center, and everyone's now, like, <laughs> sitting back and forth on their chair waiting for Monday Night Raw to start. Oh, Only sure. to see what's going to happen with Goldberg tonight because now they've officially announced that Goldberg is going to be on live uh, television tonight on Raw. Yep, no, no, it's, it's definitely, you know, again, you know, we've talked about this many times in the past. The, the ratings have been, have been shrinking and shrinking and shrinking, and, and, you know, there was even talk at some point not long ago of the, the, you know, the horror of maybe could it possibly be that USA would drop Monday Night Raw, so yeah, I mean, this is this is a step in the right direction for them. Now they got to, you know, they got to keep this momentum going and sort of build off of it, and let it die down. Yep. And Completely now, agree. Now the, fans, now the fans are sitting back and wondering, is there going to be more Goldberg matches? Which is a plus two because um, they're going to want to tune in, especially if they hear Goldberg's going to be there, to find out what the next chapter is. Well, from what to to kind of uh, piggyback off that, Lorraine, um, from what I'm understanding and from what the world is now saying, apparently Goldberg has signed to appear at the Royal Rumble. Now, this is my next round of questions for you guys. Okay, let's say. I, I I can't say that this rumor is true because again it's dirt sheets it's it's people rumbling around so we don't know if this is 100% true. 
But let's say, ironically speaking, or uh, theoretically, um, Goldberg enters into the Royal Rumble match. Now, here's my question for you guys. Do you want to see him win and headline WrestleMania? Or do you rather see Brock Lesnar also be entered into the Royal Rumble match and cost both of them their, uh, you know, the main event spot at WrestleMania, hence causing Goldberg Lesnar three at WrestleMania 33. Yeah, I think I totally Rick, would. Go... I think that is what's going to happen, George. I think, you know, I think that there's been all kinds of rumblings, Royal Rumble wise, with the Undertaker winning, but we, that's another topic for another day. But yeah, I think that's what I think that's what will happen eventually. You know, Lesnar will cost him, and that will set up. You know, their their match at WrestleMania. I, I really believe that's what's going to happen. All right. So you're going for Lesnar, Goldberg 3 at WrestleMania 33, starting a Royal Rumble. Now, what do you think, Lauren? Do you think Goldberg will win the Rumble? Or do you think they're setting up for Goldberg, Lesnar 3? I think it's more possible that they're setting up for Goldberg, Lesnar 3. Not necessarily as a fan. Do I want want them to do that? But you know, it it is what it is, and if they do it, I'll be happy to say it. But um, you know, with Undertaker pretty much saying that WrestleMania is no longer his, is going to define him. It's apparent that they're trying to look for a new match, the main line. Yep. So I think we're all in favor on about, you know, Goldberg and Lesnar 3 being set up, you know, at WrestleMania. Or maybe Goldberg, Lesnar 3 at Royal Rumble. Because, again, Rick, how many times have I said on this show that they need star power? Because the Alamo Dome is not a tiny arena like the Air Canada Center. The Alamo Dome is huge. So they need star power for that show. I mean, they really do. I mean, if you think about it, on Raw, is there really a name on Raw currently that that really gets people's juices flowing? I'm not sure that there really is a a, a singular name. I don't see one. Well, not, well, not to fill the Alamo Dome, no. Oh, right. That's my point. So if you, you know, a Goldberg, you know, absolutely Goldberg Lesnar, of course. Uh, that's a no-brainer. I just. I'm excited for the Royal Rumble because the Royal Rumble is one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. And not because of the card, believe it or not, is because I love counting down. <laughs> I love the countdown. I love the 10 because you just don't know who's coming out. <laughs> so my next round of questions for here in this roundtable discussion is, what was your biggest surprise in the Royal Rumble? Let me throw this out there first. My biggest surprise ever while watching the Royal Rumble was when I first saw Diesel come out. Not using the Kevin Nash gimmick, nor the Kevin Nash theme song. When Diesel came out using the Diesel theme song, the Diesel gimmick, man, it reminded reminded me of my childhood. (laughs) Just watching Big Daddy Cool walk down that ramp. It was amazing. So, Millie says her favorite was AJ Styles. Her most surprising moment was AJ Styles. So, Rick, what was your most shocking, amazing moment 
in the Royal Rumble. Wow. That, that's a tough one. Are, are we talking about uh, of all, of all time? time? Yeah. Ooh. I'm, I'm going to let you. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to pass this off to Lorraine for a second because I'm going to really need to think about this one. This, this is not an easy one. <laughs> you got me here. Okay. Uh, I I would pretty much have to agree with uh, Millie AJ Styles because I think that was in my book completely unexpected. Yeah, you're you're right. How about this one, guys? Who did did anyone ever expect Undertaker to win the Royal Rumble that one year? No, that, that's a good point. Too. No one mentioned that one now, did they? Yeah, uh, that's a good point too. That could be. That, yep. There you go. That's a great one. So. The Undertaker winning the Rumble. I'm a major Undertaker fan and have been ever since, you know, he started and I was watching. So I automatically, you know, think, yes, Undertaker's going to take it. Nah. Millie, I mean, sorry, Lorraine, I almost called you Millie, sorry. Lorraine, I'm sorry to tell you, but that that Royal Rumble, the one that uh, Undertaker won, it was filled with star power, including... Shawn Michaels, that everyone was thinking was going to win that Rumble that year. And it ended up being Taker. But you got to understand why, why I said that, because I'm saying it as a fan. When I when I sit and oh. I watch it, I'm watching it as a fan. I'm not sitting oh, there yeah, yeah. watching it as a co-host or, you know, anything like that. So I'm yeah. watching it as a fan. So my feelings and my mindset is on who I like the most, so I'm automatically like, yeah, they're going to take it. Come on, come on, come on. So, you know, it's <laughs> no, not yeah. all the star power, but, you know, Undertaker has always been my the number one top wrestler. <laughs> ah, you just have a crush on the guy. I, I'm just I'm just kidding, Lauren. I'm just kidding. Don't kill me. All right. So, guys, it's now time that we go talk to the guest and open the line, but before we do, let me just tell, introduce you guys to who this young woman is. She's an amazing, amazing talent, was on the PWI Top 50 for numerous of years, at one time even being number seven. She started as a manager. She was a fan since she was eight years old. And let me tell you something, guys. I know her personally. She has a heart of gold, but most importantly, she's a professional. And I cannot emphasize that word enough. She is a professional and multi-time champion from all over the United States. Let's go ahead and open up the line to Miss Casey Carlisle. Miss Carlisle, are you there? I am. Thank you so much for that opening. That was incredibly flattering and wonderful. I appreciate it. Of course, Miss Carlisle. Of course. You know, I haven't... Uh seen or talked to you uh, since that one night here down in South Florida. How you been? <laughs> that one that one that one night. <laughs> I've been doing okay. The, I, I've been doing okay. I can't complain. How about you? Uh can't complain either. You know uh depression hit me hard <laughs> from then to now you probably be like, no, you were so skinnier back then <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> so everyone oh, tells me what, that. What hit, what hit you hard? What was it you said? Depression. Depression. Why are you laughing? Yeah, That's de- not funny. <laughs> that what? And no, I'm, I'm not. Laughing, I'm not laughing. I'm. Uh, you say it so casually. Yeah. No. No. It's because it, it's the. It, it was a tough break for me 
uh, Ms. Carlisle, uh, mm-hmm. not to kind of get the focus off of you, but it was a tough break for me because kind of like all my dreams just stopped all at once. Mm. And, yeah, like, for instance, to give you an example, um, I was still in the trying to get back in the wrestling business when you and I met, and it, through Mr. Paul Jones, by coincidence. Uh, and he was the only one giving me a break. Finally, I I got that chance a year down, and I got to work in Mississippi, which I'm not going to name any names. I, I was caused a severe concussion in Mississippi. I came back to Miami. I saw a doctor, and uh, the doctor told me, listen, you – it's not safe for you to wrestle as a diabetic and have this kind of concussion. It could cause very bad damage to you. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, and things just kept on piling on, like my ex-wife's situation. There, there was too much. And basically, yeah, I just took it out on my body, per se. So, mm. I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. But, well, hopefully it's something that you're working on, turning around little by little as you can. Oh yeah, like like I told you, Miss Carlisle, when you and I talked before you came on the show, uh, you know, it's good to know that I still have great friends in the business like you, uh, because it, 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 friends are hard to come by. And friends are really the only. Friends in this business. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I said uh, actual friends are very close to being actually non-existent in this business. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, sometimes they say you're their friend, but then again, they don't do what's. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, but basically, let's let's uh, turn it back around to you and and turn our sob <laughs> story into a motivating one. So, um, uh, excuse me, as I'm actually I, I actually got teary out there. Sorry. Um, okay. No, don't so basically, Miss Card. No, 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 no. No, no apology necessary. It's, it's just uh, I, you're my friend, and and I friends come clean with each other. So, but basically, Miss Carla, let's start off with this. You were eight years old when you first started watching professional wrestling, and mm-hmm. you know that that eight year old being a fan, being so passionate. You know, you went on to being a manager first, then a wrestler, and uh, you know having your first match with Chrissy Vane. Um, then, of course, you you hit one of the most top prizes in the wrestling business that a lot of people still work for. And that I'm talking about is the PWI Top 50 when it comes to women. You know, at one time, you were n- number seven on there. And I, I have to ask, like, who would you say you have to be thankful? I know you, you thank yourself because you worked so hard to get there. But who else do you have to thank as far as being to getting that far from eight years old being a fan to also being recognized as one of the top 50 women talents in the world? Um, a, a lot of people. You know, that's the thing. You, you mentioned you just said that I would thank myself. And to be honest with you, um, I, I would put myself, you know, probably in the middle of that list, if anything, because um, – you know, the business that we're in is so unique in a sense because on one level you have to be incredibly selfish at times. You have to uh, constantly be looking out for yourself because it's very cliche-sounding, but it's true. Um, you know, nobody is ever going to 
care about you or care about your career and so forth more than you will. So in many ways, Mm -hmm. you have to be selfish um, in order to even hope to attain any type of success or achievement. But the flip side of that coin is the fact that this business is also unique in the fact that it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, to um, to see those goals and so forth um, achieved and become mm-hmm. a reality without a lot of people helping you along the way. Whether it's, um, you know, some of those people, to answer your question more directly, um, you know, every single every single person I've ever shared the ring with in the form of being an opponent for me, I would thank those, mm-hmm. those people. Um, you know, anybody, I mean, if you really want to get into the meat and potatoes of it, you could be thinking a lot of people, the, the promoters who um, think enough of you that they think you're going to add um, something to their event that's going to draw the fans in and that you are worth the um, investment to their company mm-hmm. to, you know, to be brought in. The bookers who provide you with the matches or, um, you know, if you're worth a company regularly, whatever the, you know, the ongoing so forth and so on. <laughs> I still try to be a little old school. Um, you know, you have to thank them. You have to thank um, the photographers who are ringside because we live in a society that is very driven visually by videos and photos, more so, I think, than just the written word. And without the photographers mm-hmm. spending their time and so forth to come to the events and be there, we wouldn't have all the matches, uh, photographs from the matches to share with our fans or share with those potential future bookers and promoters that might want to use us, that want to see video and so forth. I mean, the list is endless. You know, um, people like you who do podcasts or who do written interviews and so forth to, again, give us another outlet to get our name out there and let people become familiar with us who may not be. Um, It's a really huge group effort in that sense. So I would have to thank, you know, however many years worth of people that sell into just about every category there is helping me, um, you know, hit that mark on the PWI 50 list. Now, I know you said a little earlier when you were uh, just telling me all that, and by the way, thank you very much for that compliment that you gave uh, gave me, and I think I could speak on behalf of all the great podcasters out there that I've learned from and people who I've yet to hear that we all thank you for that great credential you just gave us, uh, Ms. Carlisle. But, uh That's my honest opinion. Well, thank you. You've always been honest. That's what I love about you. But basically, um, <laughs> long story, you you uh, you mentioned like oh impossible and then possible. You know, of course, every worker I've bumped into them. I'm pro, uh, you know have bumped into that one friend or family member say and told you in your face, hey, you're never going to make it or you're never going to do this. Did that light a fire under you when you first came into the business? having people tell me that I would never do A, B, and C? Yeah, like uh, A, B, and C, like whether it be manager, wrestler, uh, even train, because I bumped into a lot of those people going into when I first started training with Rusty. Uh, Like people saying, oh, you you don't have the size, you don't have this, you don't have that, and Mm -hmm. it just kept on lighting the fire under me. Did did that light the fire under you? Um, it did. It did in some ways, yeah. You know, to be honest with you, I didn't really have anybody tell me that I was going to fail directly to my face oh. so much. Um, 
I'm not saying that it wasn't said. It was never said to my face. When I first started out, um, you know, I now fortunately, and, and I'm going to preface this by saying my training situation was very, very unique. It was extremely unique. Um, so I didn't have anybody during training telling me that I wasn't going to make it because I was around one person 98% of the time for my training, and that was my trainer. Um, yeah. And that was Shorty Smalls. And, you know, obviously he's not going to be training me and in between, you know, drills go, by the way, you suck and you're not going to make it, but let's do it again. That doesn't happen. Um, (laughs) But when I did start, um, you know, when I did start working and I was working as a manager, um, you know, I'm just like anybody else. I mean, we are all thirsty to read, you know, we're ego driven and and we want to hop online and we want to, you know, get off on the fact that, fans are putting us over and oh how great we are and everything else but at the same time you also see the negative comments that are said about you and um i saw negative comments about me when i had just first started out you know i i saw people talking about how fat i was and how ugly i was um how you know just they didn't think this shit you know i'm just a girl whatever um you know like i was just kind of destined to be girl on the outside number you know 522 or something like that so in many ways that did inspire me because that was all coming from people who didn't know a single thing about me and didn't realize that I wasn't a girl who was doing this and getting into the business because um my boyfriend was and I just wanted to like you know spend every weekend with him cute um and it wasn't because I wanted to play dress up on the weekends and you know, put on a lot of makeup and, and everything else, it was because I watched wrestling since I was eight, and this is what I wanted to do, and I knew that. So it fueled me in a way seeing that because I was like, yeah, you know, not that I was going to shove it down their throat, but I just said to myself, they'll have an egg on their face one day. But I also knew, as I just said in the back of my mind, that these, this was all coming from people who um, – were simply, I think, being negative to be negative or make comments kind of out of their ass a little bit. You know, they had never seen me yeah. actually in person working or anything like that. So, um, And that's just part of the game. It is what it is, and people have to be ready for it and have that thick skin. But I think it is a huge motivator because that's just how humans are. Yeah, amen to that one. Uh, as a matter of fact, sometimes I would uh, uh, like <laughs> I, I would never forget at one of the shows. One of the people that told me that I would never make it was sitting on the third, I think it was third or fourth row, and I would come out uh, I, because I was a mass superstar. Uh, I would I, I came out and this hater came up you to me for an autograph. Superstar. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't the mass superstar. superstar. I, man. <laughs> God, that fans don't get it mixed up. I was not the mass superstar. <laughs> I was a. Uh, uh, <laughs> please don't please. That's your I beg of you, there, you know, calling you out on that. By the way, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, God forbid. Can you imagine? Oh, anyway. So I was a. I was a, a, a mass luchador. There we go. And uh, <laughs> it, and this hater came up to me and asked me for an autograph. And I told, because I had to change my voice to, hola, papi, like that. So, basically, <laughs> I said, don't you know what Jorge? And he's like, yeah. He says he made it. <laughs> so, and then I just walked away. 
So it kind of, it, it made me feel good because it was a, a person that said he was a friend and mm-hmm. then kind of denied me. And then, anyway, so you you speak about also being a manager. I, I remember you saying being a manager. What did you like more? What did you have fun with more, Casey? Because I know you love wrestling. I know you love managing. What, what did you What do you feel like you love the most, actually, about both uh, aspects? Um, you know, it's, I can't pick one over, I I love being in the ring. I mean, that's what, you know, that's my home, away from home, basically. Um, you know, I mean, being in the ring is just what I know, and it's one of those, um, situations where it's very much, um, it's just, I, it's, it's a place where I feel the most comfortable, you know, if I'm feeling anxious or if I'm feeling bothered or anything, it's it's like a, it's very much an oasis for me, you know, being inside the ring because I just feel comfortable. It's just what I know. Um, mm-hmm. Being outside the ring, though, in, in the role of a manager, um, I, I have to say I was just as comfortable in, in that role as well. Um you know, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that when I was watching wrestling as a kid, I was very fortunate to grow up in a time when there were some of the best managers ever um, that I got to see mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. You know, I mean, I got to see, um, and, and just to give everybody an idea of what time frame this is, this is the late 80s. I started watching in 1988. So we're talking about, you know, Bobby Heenan and Jimmy Hart, and we're talking about, um, you know, mm-hmm. like even going further back, like Freddie, Freddie Blassie and uh, the Grand Wizard. And, you know, there were so many managers. There was also Miss Elizabeth. And she caught my eye for very obvious reasons. And then a few years later, Sherry did as well as a manager when she had um, transitioned over to that from her in-ring career. I was, just, I was just as drawn to them as I was the wrestlers because it was part of it. And they had their reasons for being there and they had their own personalities and so forth so when I did break in and I was working as a manager um, I I feel incredibly incredibly fortunate that I was such a huge wrestling fan because I have all of those years of knowledge to draw on versus somebody who knows absolutely nothing about wrestling and gets into it for some of the reasons I mentioned earlier or because they're brought Mm -hmm. into it by somebody you know, who doesn't necessarily, I think when you know, I think it's just usually provides an easier kind of, you know, transition to when during your training and while you're learning everything. Because once everything starts to click and make sense, you start thinking back to what you used to watch as a kid and everything. And then it really, yep. the fog lifts um, and you're like, holy cow. And I had so much fun being on the outside, being right there, you know, with the fans sometimes very much very on top of the fans. Um, you know, and to be honest with you, one of the highest compliments that I receive as a wrestler is being compared to Sherry Martell. And I feel doubly fortunate um, and humble that even as a manager, I was being compared to Sherry, to her manager, you know, her style and so forth. And... You know, I just had fun doing both of it. It's, it's all wrestling. As long as it's professional wrestling, um, you know, and it's 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 fun, and it's where I want to be, and it's what I want to be doing. And 
I can't tell you how much I learned being a manager that has now helped me in my in-ring career. And, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. It was all fun, and it was all a learning experience, and it was all experience, period. And, um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it. So my last question, because uh, my two hosts here are already giving me the eye, saying, when's it my turn? Uh, <laughs> uh, let me get let, – let me ask this question before they jump me and they say, hey, let me have the mic. Um, it's partially my you mentioned fault, a lot of happy. I could talk all night. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good then. Uh, you see, guys, uh, she, she could talk all night, so give me a break. <laughs> this, I promise this is my last question, Rick. You're next. Um, so my last question would be, is, you mentioned a lot of classic names. Uh, you know, Sherry Martell, the Grand Wizard. You know, but one thing that you – that you told me, I think it was in our original interview that we had like long, long ago, was that Brutus Beefcake was actually one of your inspirations too. And he was. Can you t can you tell us a little bit about how he inspired you? Brutus Beefcake was my favorite wrestler when I was a kid. Straight up, favorite freaking wrestler. Um. I can I honestly can't tell you why he appealed to me, you know, as that little eight year old girl. There was something about the whole strutting and cutting and there was something about, you know, his personality and obviously when I started watching wrestling he had long since turned baby face. Um, so that was all I knew of him until I started buying all the VHS and watching and studying. But um you know, he inspired me. I, I can't honestly say that he inspired me necessarily um, when it comes to actual moves in the ring but the inspiration I drew from him um, you know w was more personality he was always so high energy he was always so energetic he always connected and seemed to connect as soon as he you know broke through the curtain um, and I always believed in him, and obviously that had to do with his skill inside the ring, too, but I always believed in him, and I always felt very emotionally invested in him, which as wrestlers is what we want our fans or should want our fans to feel. Um, so there was just something about him. I don't know. It's just I was drawn to him and kind of, I don't know, it just stuck. I mean, I, I honestly can't say he inspired, like I said, any moves, but he just, he inspired and had to do with my love for wrestling in general. You know, it was he was part of this little girl falling head over heels in love with what is professional wrestling. Casey, can I just ask as a fan, what if uh, what if you ever had, like, in the future, or even current, because I know Brutus is still taking bookings, what if you ever had that opportunity to work with him in a spot where he puts the sleeper hold on you, it, would that little eight-year-old come out and be like, I'm actually in Brutus' sleeper? <laughs> on the inside, it would. On the outside, I'd be too busy having my eyes closed and starting to go to sleep, you know. Good night, Irene. <laughs> That's what Monsoon used to always say. He'd say, good night, Irene. Um, yeah, but on the inside, like on the inside, yes, I would completely turn into that little girl who, you know, uh, who completely covered the back or one side of her wall. I had one part of my room that was dedicated to Brutus um, as far as posters from all the after mags and everything. But, yeah, I, yeah, to answer your question, I would totally on the inside be like full circle, I, you know, I'm good. And I would make sure there was footage to show my parents, too. So. 
<laughs> that was so. That would be so awesome. I, I hope I'm at that show if that ever does happen, because I know Brutus comes here a lot for the Legends of Wrestling shows. So I'm I'm gonna see if I could get Casey Carlisle to be on one of those shows just so I could see that happen. Anyway. <laughs> So, so Casey, I, I'm going to be done. In case if I have any other refresher questions, uh, I'll do it right after these two get, stop giving me the eye. So I'm going to go ahead and pass the, the microphone over to my next person. Uh, his name is Rick Foley. We nickname him Rick Foley here because he's just a psychopath that way. So, Rick, go ahead and take it away. The mic is yours, man. Good evening, Miss Casey. How are you this evening? Hi, I'm doing well, Rick. How are you? Great. Just a quick question for you. You mentioned that you've been a fan of wrestling since you were eight years old, so mm-hmm. long time. So I'm wondering what your thought is on the progression, specifically out of women's wrestling, since the time you started watching it until today. What's changed for the better and what's changed for the worse, if anything? Um, I think that women's wrestling has been on one hell of a roller coaster ride since I started watching. Um, you know, when I when I started watching the W, what was then WWF. Um, their women's division was actually kind of coming to a close. They were kind of starting to phase it out. Um, you know, Sherry was the champion, um, and the AWA, of course, had a women's division in the 80s as well and everything. So it was there, but um, when I started watching, it was already starting to be phased out, and it started to be fewer and fewer matches televised, fewer and fewer um you know, like angles and so forth. There weren't a lot of new women being brought in. So even as that little girl, I could tell that, like, women's wrestling wasn't really, you know, the ish anymore. It was kind of like, and I, I even remember there was one time I was, um, I was watching it, and I even thought to myself, like, I wonder if, um, you know, I wonder if they're just going to, like, fire all the women and that's it. I actually thought that to myself. But, um you know, over the years, the wrestling business itself rides a roller coaster and is constantly going through um, highs and lows and its peaks and valleys. And I think women's wrestling is actually on its own little roller coaster within that bigger one because, you know, you go through a period of time where it seems like there's hardly any women's wrestling and then you have a boom where all of a sudden there is and everyone's debate when it comes to women wrestling, from my point of view, is always centered around, um, you know, the quality of the wrestling versus the TNA that comes into it. You know, is, are they women in the business who are there wrestling or are they women in the business who are there to provide um, more of the TNA, like, you know, mud gimmicky type stuff? And I think anyone who looks back over our business from when I started watching in the late 80s can see how that's progressed. But I think overall, um, you know, I think we're at a point where people are starting to realize that there actually is room for all of it in the professional wrestling business. And it's not a bad thing to have the women who are there for more of the gimmick matches and more of the TNA type stuff. Um, But then there's also the women who can work and who can go in the ring and who are you know, athletes who, you know, might also be good looking on, on the eyes, may not be, but I think people are starting to realize that um, there's room for all of it. And a woman doesn't have to be somebody who looks like they just stepped off the pages of Cosmo, nor do they have to be somebody, um, you know, who just looks, you know, like this, like 
gassed up, rough and tumble, you know, like badass either. Like you can have all of it and still have quality. Um, whether it's the attitude era, you know, where women were certainly completely profiled and they were completely a huge part of that era. Um, or now, you know, when you have, I think there's more all women promotions now than there have been, especially on the Indies. I think that people are starting to talk about women's wrestling more. I think they're starting to pay more attention to it. And I think we're starting to get away from, you know, one of my pet peeves has always been the little asterisks that people put on the end of something, you know, um, they're pretty good for being girls or that was good for a girls match or something like that. And I think people are starting to just look at it as it's a wrestling match. Forget about the anatomy of the two people in the ring it's a wrestling match and what was the quality of the match? How did they make you feel? What kind of trip did they take you on, et cetera. So I think it's gone through its ups and downs, but I think right now it's starting to come to some type of happy middle ground where everyone's, you know, whatever they like about it, whatever they don't like, because there's something there for everybody. And I think fans are starting to realize that and kind of get behind the women's wrestling movement a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think it's, you made a great point. Uh, of course, you know, in the Attitude Era, it was much more the bra and panties, the pillow fight matches and all that stuff. And I think that's what I appreciate so much more about it now is that they're actually allowing these women to shine in the ring. And so that fluff aspect of it is pushed to the side. You know, no more of those mm-hmm. ridiculous bra and panties matches. And, you know, it was more of a sideshow really than, than anything else at that, at that particular time. Right. Right, and, you know, that might have something to do with the people calling the shots. It might have something to do with sure. the, the voice of the fans, you know, who are becoming more vocal. Um, now, the truth is there's always going to be um, there's always going to be a community, a, a community of fans who don't like women's wrestling or who only want to see the gimmick matches or um, they only want to see women wrestlers who have tiny little waists and great big huge tits and everything and look like a living Barbie doll. And, you know, there are some people that just don't think women belong in wrestling at all. And that's always going to exist. It always has existed. The thing of it is, you know, we live in the age of the Internet. So people's voices are, are heard in real time and they're heard from far and away and um, they're heard on a much wider scale. So I think, you know, even though there's still that negative connotation out there surrounding it, that could be said about men's wrestling in some ways too. And I think people are just starting, like I said, to look at it as wrestling rather than, you know, oh, well, for girls, they're this, that, or the other, or something like that. Sure. Now, you mentioned the Internet, which is a, which is a funny thing. I have this discussion a lot with people about the Internet, and especially with the, 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 the heel Wrestler, there was a time, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago that, you know, you would never see a picture on the Internet, you know, of, of a heel, you know, posing with a fan or, or you know, autographs. So I'm wondering what's your perspective on the Internet in terms of how it's changed wrestling, again, both for the good and for the bad. Um, I personally think that the Internet is an extension of the old um, dirt sheets you know, that used to float around. I, I think that the Internet is dirt sheets come to life in many ways, um, you know, because back before the Internet had its boom, it was the dirt sheets that, that were mailed out. And that was, you know, that was the Internet at that time. That was where people would send in letters that they would have columns or they would be providing the, um, you know, the backstage news and all this inside stuff that you're not supposed to know. 
um, you know, and they would discuss their opinions about what they're seeing on TV or um, they would bury this particular worker because of whatever. And I think that it just over time, the dirt sheets have become the internet and have become social media. And does it help wrestling? Yes, of course it does. I mean, it helps everybody involved in wrestling in so many ways. I no longer have to, not that I did, I didn't come from this time, but you know, guys used to have to send actual VHS tapes out to promoters in the mail and wait months to hear back and hope they hear back. And, you know, I mean, I can just hop on Facebook right now and send an email to somebody in California about a booking and boom, we could get it set up within an hour or something. Um, You know, it helps the fans because fans have access to matches and promotions that they, before the internet would not, you know, either ever see, or again, it would be a trade trading system, like, you know, used to be the, the great big huge thing. Um, but I think it also does hurt it in many ways because, you know, I'm an old school girl and I, I feel, <laughs> I sometimes feel like I'm kind of stuck in the middle of a Stargate in many ways when it comes to the business because I'm old school and I don't like, I don't necessarily like breaking kayfabe, but at the same time, the fact that I just said the word kayfabe is breaking kayfabe, you know what I'm saying? Like our hands are tied. We're we're in a position where in order to further my career and in order to get my name out there and so forth, I'm a heel. I'm a heel 99% of the time. And that's how I like it. I want to be a heel hundred percent of the time, but, but you know, I was smiling when you were asking your question because I'm one of the heels who's out at intermission, selling photos, taking pictures. For God's sake, I have a fan of the month feature on my website. That's a picture of me and whatever fan I pick for that month. Um, So, you know, in some ways, I think that it negatively affects the business because it, it completely blurs or sometimes erases the line that used to exist between fans and wrestlers, where you were intimidated by that wrestler you may not even have the balls to like talk to them if you see them walking in the building or something and now it's like people know that you were a mcdonald's because you checked in on facebook up the road so they just had nuggets with you at mcdonald's or said hi to you there and now they're just in line watching you walk in it's not a big deal yeah you know it's funny the big show was on local radio down here about a week ago he was promoting you know wrestlemania which is you know orlando coming up and that topic came up, and he mentioned that it was his opinion that, especially with the heels, that the guys nowadays are much more cognizant of of, of the promotion, of, you know, of getting the, their brand out there. So he think, his opinion was that's why it's probably more common or more, you know, whatever the word might be, to see a heel, you know, taking a picture with a fan or mm-hmm. signing an autograph for a fan when. You know, like we had said 10, 15 years ago, that was, you know, that was unheard of. You would never see that. It wouldn't happen. And that's oh. one of the changes in our business. I mean, you know, if I, if I completely stay in character and I heal people out and everything, then, um, you know, we're just in a funny time right now with wrestling. I mean, this is just the business we're in today. It's not, it's not the business of old. Um, you know, people can, and, and I'm sure that some people do. I'm sure people stay completely true. They just heal people out. They're not online and everything. But it's like if, if I want to sell the, the T-shirts that I have an abundance of on my website, then I have to be fan-friendly to some extent. And I think everyone understands what I'm saying. Like the fans want us to be what we are in the ring, but then they also want to be able to talk to us as people afterwards. And 
as wrestlers, it's kind of sometimes like, well, which way do you want it? Because when you know that you can come up and talk to me at intermission, I'm not going to be a huge bitch to you. Without realizing it, people start to cheer for you when you're in the ring and things like that. And then, but then people run back. You know, it's just, I I could go on about this all night too, because it's one of those weird things. But I'm hoping I'm answering your question enough for you. Um, You are. And my final two questions, which are my go-to questions before I pass it off to Lorraine, are your, well, part one is your favorite match as a wrestler, and is there a dream match for Casey Carter out there that you haven't had yet? Could be anybody. Mm. Um, my favorite match, gosh, I would have to think that one over for a little bit. Um, I mean, there's, there's a few that, that stick out in mind as being favorites for different reasons. My first match is a favorite of mine because it was my first one, and it was kind of my dream coming to life and coming to reality and being um, – you know, actually happening. Um, the night that I won the NWA Women's World Title was a favorite match of mine because clearly, um, you know, I had a, a no DQ match with Mr. Spellmont up at Valkyrie last two Januarys ago, uh, last January, and that was a favorite of mine because we just beat the crap out of each other, and it was crazy. And I'd never had a match like that before, nor have I had one like it since. Um, so it'd be hard for me to pick a favorite one, to be honest. As far as a dream match, sadly, um, the dream match, two of the dream matches that I had always wanted are not going to happen because, unfortunately, they have both passed away, and that was Sherry Martell and Luna Vachon. Right. I always wanted the chance to step in the ring with both of them. Um, I would also like the chance to step in the ring with Elani Kai because I did watch her wrestle when I was that eight-year-old girl, and she is actually still wrestling and active, and... Um, it would be an honor for me to share the ring with her, so that's one that still has potential to happen. I have one funny beefcake story. Since you said you were a beefcake fan on the way out, George yeah, mentioned that he's he does quite a lot of the Legends wrestling uh, promotions down here in, in Miami. What I say about two years, well, a year and a half, two years ago, he was at the at a Legends event with Goldberg of all people, and uh, we were sitting VIP because my son, well, unfortunately, is not on the show tonight. Is little CM Punk? That's his alter ego. So we were standing around uh, with the wrestlers, and out comes Brutus Beefcake in his ring gear with his shears standing right next to me, and he took a, a shot of Jaeger right before he went in the ring. I thought that was just hysterical. <laughs> classic. It was just classic. You know, I've actually... The shears in um, one hand, the Jaeger in the other. It was, just, it was just hysterical. That's tremendous. I have been, uh, real quickly before you pass it off, I've actually... Um, had the pleasure of running into him. I've shared a few locker rooms with him and I've seen him at a couple of conventions and so forth. But one of the shows we were booked on together, we, we had the after party afterwards and um, I was able to go to it. So I did. I ended up sitting at the bar next to him, next to Brutus. We were sitting on bar stools right next to each other at the bar. And, you know, like Jorge was, was asking me earlier if I was in his sleeper hold with that eight year old girl mark out. Well, the eight-year-old girl inside of me was marking out about sitting there ordering a drink next to Brutus. <laughs> yeah, that's, because, that's wild. Absolutely yeah, wild. it was weird. I was, I was like, you know, not only did I grow up and become a big girl who could have an alcoholic beverage, but here I am next to Brutus at the bar ordering it, and it was just kind of funny to me. Well, that's great. Well, it was an honor speaking to you. I appreciate it. It was very enlightening. Thank you. My pleasure. And now I'm going to pass you off to our lovely Lorraine. Hi, Miss Carla. 
Hi, Lorraine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's actually an honor. This is the second time that I'm actually getting the interview. Thank you. Oh, I'm flattered by that. I appreciate okay. that. Um, all right, you're welcome. All right. Um, you mentioned that you enjoyed both managing and wrestling. Do you think once you're done wrestling, will you go back to being a manager? And if so, is there anything specific you would like to manage? That's an excellent question, and to be honest, it's not one that I've actually thought about. Um, the immediate answer, my, my knee-jerk reaction is yes. I, I would definitely consider it. Um, you know, if, if it was a situation where my in-ring career had come to a close simply because I decided it was time, meaning not due to, you know, an injury or, or anything like that, um, if I was physically able to, then I can definitely see myself being interested in um, going back to working as a manager. Um, but to be completely honest with you, and I'm not saying this to take away from the role of a manager or the idea of me doing it again, um, but before, like, kind of on the list ahead of that, I would most likely be more interested in trying to become a trainer. Um, or maybe if I got Quijones enough, actually trying to be a booker or run shows or something. Um, but definitely a trainer is always something that's been on my list of things I wanted to try to do on a regular basis, like actually serve as the trainer. Um, you know, so that would probably be what my first step would be prior to becoming a manager. But again, that doesn't rule out becoming a manager again. I had so much fun doing it. I would certainly be open to doing it again. Okay, would you you would, uh, like to become a trainer? Would you consider uh, training for, uh, becoming a trainer for WWE? Oh, I'd be stupid not to. Yeah, if they if they ever presented that opportunity to me, I mean, shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if they presented any opportunity to me, I'd probably be a damned fool to turn it down because those opportunities aren't just growing out. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I that would be an incredibly high compliment to me for them to um, see me as somebody who could, you know, train the next generation of their stars. So yeah, I, I would absolutely take that. You know, I honestly don't know if that would ever happen. Um, I, I don't have reason to believe that it would happen at this point in time, but if it ever did, then yes, I would absolutely take that opportunity. Awesome. Also, if you if you could talk uh, to the to your eight year old self, what would you tell yourself? If I, I'm sorry, I don't think I heard all of your question. What was that again? If you could talk with your eight year old self, you know how you were eight years old and became a fan. What would you tell yourself? Oh, if I could talk to my girl. Um, hmm. Knowing what I know now, what would I say to myself back then? <laughs> um, oh, boy. Well, you know what? I would tell myself to um, stick with it. You know, when I was a kid, none of my friends watched wrestling. Like I was just as much a loner when it comes to wrestling then as I am today. Um, you know, none of my friends watched it. Like I didn't have friends houses where I was watching wrestling at their house or anything. Like I was the only person I knew, um, who watched wrestling. So it was kind of difficult for me to kind of, 
I thought that I was weird, probably, because nobody else liked wrestling, and so I thought that made me maybe a little bit of a weirdo on some level. Um, But, you know, I would tell myself to just stick with it. I would tell myself, you know what, this is going to be worth it in the end. It's going to open opportunities to travel. It's going to open opportunities to meet people who... Um, I would never have ever met, you know, and to have people come, come into your life and, and out of your life, you know, that never would I ever dream of being possible. Um, I would also tell myself to make sure that I'm having fun and enjoying it because, as, again, cliche as that sounds, it's very easy to get caught up in the BS that our business has become and is becoming over the years and, um, you know, all the political brouhaha behind the scenes and everything else. Um, You know, it's easy to get caught up in negativity, and I think that's just true in life. So I would tell myself to just make sure I'm always having fun, make sure I'm always, um, you know, keeping my love for it alive more than any type of uh, quest for a certain milestone or success or anything. Because the truth is, and again... I keep referencing life, but I think it's true. You never know where your career is going to go or what's going to happen. You never know when it might be your last match, if if you get hurt or something else in life happens. You know, you just never know. And so I think it's very easy to get caught up in chasing the dream and chasing the goals and checking things off the list, and you start to get so, like, hardcore wrapped up in that that, you start taking everything really seriously and yourself really seriously. And I think it's just, you know, important to relax and continue to keep in mind why you wanted to be there in the first place and what it actually means to you and your life as a whole rather than the moment. And I'm not saying any of that to imply that I've I've not been having fun or anything. It's just I think it's very important to keep in mind. Right. Also, uh, what makes your personality different from other women wrestlers? Um, well, the thing about me <laughs> is I believe myself to be a perfect fit for this business because um, I'm really not a girly girl at all. I was just having this conversation over the weekend. You know, I um, my personality, I'm so one of the boys. I'm sarcastic, I cuss all the time, I'm a smartass, you know, um, and, and I've always been a tomboy and everything. I mean, my personality, I'm so, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I don't get offended by, by things. You know how some people will make a joke or something, and then if they see a woman next to them, they'll apologize, you know, or I'm, I don't want to offend you, or I'm sorry, or something, and I just say something to keep the joke going, you know, I I don't really know how I'm different from other women because we're all so unique and individual. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think I'm just – I focus so much on trying to be the best inside the ring that I can be. You know, my gear is very simple. My look is very, very simple, in my opinion. Um, you know, I just worry about – trying to be the best Casey I can be. And I don't think that's different from really many others. I think that we all have our own characters and personalities and so forth, and that's what makes everything so great. You know, variety is the spice of life. Okay, and my last question. Since the wrestling business has changed in some ways, 
Has your mindset had to change? And if so, in what ways? My mindset when it comes to the business itself, just my approach to it? Yes. Um, you know, yes. Yeah, like the answer is yes. I'm just trying to think of like specific examples to to give you as my answer. Um, you know, my mindset has definitely changed over the years. Um, you know, I've been in this business for quite a while now. I, I started in the business in '98 and wrestled my first match in 2005, and still going strong. Um, my mindset has definitely changed over that period of time, and I think that's partially because um, I have just grown up and matured and, and changed in some ways. My my way of thinking has changed in some ways and differed, but it's also because of the business too. You know, I have become a little bit more like no nonsense, no BS um, in the business, and I'm not talking about in the ring. I'm talking about, you know, in the locker room and so forth. Um, as right. time has gone by, and I think part of that is because I have seen some changes in the business that I don't necessarily like and I don't necessarily think are good. And, um, you know, when I'm, I'm not somebody that goes out there spitting my opinion out left and right because, you know, we all have one, and opinions are not facts. They're opinions, and, and I'm not one to just pick arguments and argue with people for the sake of. But if I'm asked, um, you know, I, I think I've become more vocal over the years, and part of that has to do with my comfort in how long I've been in the business and the fact that I've earned the right to um, be honest and speak my mind if asked, you know, without that fear of I'm green, I need to know my place in the business type of thing. Um, and I think part of it is just the fact, you know, I very much feel as though, um, you know, I, I feel as though if, if there's an issue or a problem that you see, that you feel as a problem or an issue, and you don't um, say anything about it, then you're actually part of that problem or issue rather than trying to be the solution to it. And that's how I approach a lot of things. And some people appreciate it, so it turns some people off. You know, I'm sure that I've rubbed people the wrong way by some of the things I say or some of the opinions I have. But um, one of the ways my mindset has changed is I, I'm truly starting to just not care as much. <laughs> To be honest with you, um, you know, I, I've i worked my ass off all these years. I really I have. I've stayed busier than most, and I have taken a hell of a lot of bumps, and I've put a lot of miles in the car, and, um, you know, I've seen a lot, and I've done a lot. And I think it's just one of those things. Your mindset just changes as you grow and mature and as your career grows and matures. I think that's just a natural progression. So I think it's just kind of where I am now. Okay. That that was my last question. I want to thank you again. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time and the question. Uh, You're welcome. I'm going to hand it over to Drew. Thank you for the mic back, Lorraine. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, literally. So many questions. The, uh, well, by, which, by all means. No, uh, she was telling me that, you know, that she was she was saying all her questions, asking all her questions, because now I was giving her the eye. I was making her feel the way I was oh. feeling, <laughs> <laughs> you know, after being put in that pressure cooker. You you see, it doesn't feel good, Lorraine. 
Anyway, so, so... I love you guys are just sharing stink eyes or whatever, all behind the scenes and everything. <laughs> because, because here's the thing, we're all family here. So, and every guest that we have on this show, Ms. Carlisle, we don't want them to feel like guests. We want them to feel like they're part of the family where they could just put their feet up on the table and just relax and be like, I'm just chilling. <laughs> Just you sound talking. like an ad for a hotel chain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> That's exactly Come what stay. You just, your family here. Come kick your feet up and. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just what I thought. Of. No. Is it? Until I was on the road a couple of <laughs> days ago, right? I was in hotels. All right. Anyway. Anywho, uh, it, it, was it bad enough that I was uh, holding you back from going to sleep that day because I was picking up your your roommate that day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Is I, it bad I, enough? Why that... are we talking? I thought I was mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> I would never forget that day. I'm there picking up. I think uh, who was your roommate that day? Sienna Duval, I think, and. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Sienna kept on uh, putting on her makeup, and you were trying to go to sleep, and you're like, can you both just go? (laughs) (laughs) Because you had to wake up in the morning super early. Oh, God, that was... That was one of those lovely, like, 5 a.m. flights, I think. Yeah, but those were the days, Miss Carla. We have to have one of those nights again where I just annoy the living hell out of you and you're like can you just go george <laughs> and no, anyway. no we, we don't we don't need one of those nights again i don't like being annoyed oh. well, i don't want to do it on purpose well i'm just i'm just messing so <laughs> miss carlisle literally they took all my questions that i wanted to refresh with you so i have nothing left uh, before you go, let me just make sure that no one has uh, – Lorraine, I know you asked all yours. I could see your your notepad from here. Uh, Rick, do you have anything else you want to say to Ms. Carlisle? No, no, just thank you for coming on. It was really enlightening and a great interview. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. All right. You're more than welcome. All right. <laughs> all right, uh, Ms. Carlisle, so before you go, let's go ahead and do your plugs. How can fans follow you on social media? whether it be fan page, uh, website, uh, you know, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, where can bookers get a hold of you for any booking inquiries, and where can fans catch you next live? Oh, let's see. Well, um, social media-wise, I have two Facebook pages. One of them is my profile page, and the other one is my fan page. Um, my profile friend list has been full for quite a while. Sometimes you can sneak a little request in there, but um, I allow followers, and everything I put up is public, so, you know. Um, but the fan page is facebook.com slash fanpage. I am on Twitter at Carlisle. I'm on Instagram at Carlisle. I am on YouTube. Uh, the name of my channel is um, Carlisle, And um, my website, which is kind of a one-stop shop, it has links to the Facebook. It has the Twitter feed on there and so forth. Is uh, Um As far as promoters and bookers contacting me, they can contact me directly via a private message on any of the social media outlets, or they could also send me a regular email to caseycarlisle at gmail.com. 
And um, my next appearance is this coming Saturday, the 26th of uh, November, and that's going to be in Pelham, North Carolina, for Pure Pro Wrestling. Um, I'm currently their women's champion, and I'm going to be defending the title Saturday night inside of the steel cage against Natalina Corvino. So that's my next appearance. Um, after that, I will be in Delaware two weeks in a row. I will be in South Carolina. I will be in North Carolina again, and then we're going to be heading into 2017. Awesome. Well, Ms. Carla, again, you know, you're my friend, and but uh, aside from all those, you know, points and stuff, like as being a friend, I just want to say from professional to professional, thank you so very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. You mentioned some great, great advice, some great stories, and, and I couldn't be more humble for you spending your time here with us. Well, that means the world to me. I very much appreciate that. Thank you very much for the time and for having me on. And, um, you know, we'll set up a time next year sometime to do it all again. Oh, definitely. We'll do it. I, I, oh, of course. <laughs> of course, Miss Carla. And then if you're ever, uh, I'll talk to my legend of wrestling people, see if I could get Brutus and you both on one show for I could see that uh, sleeper <laughs> spot happen. <laughs> oh, boy. It'll, it'll be the spot of the night. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. As long as he doesn't cut your hair, I'm fine. Because then I should well, be I was running. I to say there has to be a little provision there, but um, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying Thank I should be running for nothing. My pleasure, my pleasure. Have a great night. <laughs> Have a good night, Miss Carlisle. Thank you so very much again. I will. Thank you guys too. Take care. You Thank too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Mrs. Carlisle, ladies and gentlemen, that <laughs> listen. Wow. I just put out I just put out a Facebook uh, status saying Reality Check Radio. Remember that name, remember that show because big things are coming. That was huge. <laughs> okay, that was huge. She never ceases to am- to amaze me. I- this is the second time we've had her on the show, second time I've had the honor to be one of the people interviewing her. And both times, it, I, all I could say was, wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm beyond speechless. I, I'm, I, I don't know what to say. I, I really don't. Um... Rick, you have anything? I'm I'm speechless. <laughs> no, I it was. Um, she was no no, no no never mind. Scratch that. She was very good. How about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm lost for words then. By the way. A little while. Let me just interrupt for a second. I had the opportunity while Lorraine was interviewing to mute my phone and check out the beginning of Monday Night Raw. Anybody want a spoiler? Well, I, I can't watch. I'm outside, you know. So go ahead. Well, as expected, Goldberg came out, and uh-huh. just when you thought he was going to give his farewell speech which was the way it was headed. 
he said that Stephanie McMahon asked him if he had one more title one in him. And he said he did. And she said the road to that starts at the Royal Rumble. And he, his last word before he left the ring was, everyone is next. Huh. Huh. Need I say more? I did want to scream in everybody's ears, so all I could do was clap. It was really, <laughs> really, it was really good. I mean, you could just imagine the, the pop. It was, it was <laughs> unreal. Well, guys, uh, guys, let me just uh, stop here because I know everyone has to go watch Raw now. I gotta let you all go, you know, from the studio. But before I let everyone go, I asked Millie on her time off. Uh, she's here right now. Uh, I opened up her line. I asked Millie to take some time to come on the show right now for a major announcement. And because we're all family here, we have to do this together because it was announced today. Hi, so, George. Hi, Millie. So, no, 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 introduce me anymore. I don't get introduced anymore. Wow, thanks. Jesus. That's okay. You forgot to introduce me. Hey, let's let's do this. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hey, for horses. Don't answer that, Rick. Let me tell you something real quick before you make your announcement, sir. Did you Let shut me tell you something. I don't think Layla will like this. I'm just letting you know. Just letting you know. Just an FYI. On behalf of me and Lorraine. <laughs> well, guys, I have a major, major, major announcement today. And I put, like I said, I put out a Facebook status earlier today saying, Reality Check Radio, remember that name, remember that show, big things are coming. And step number one happened today. Because not only, not only did we get to sit down with Pentagon Dark, Lucha Underground's Woo! possibly number one star, but, but, I'm I also ready? spoke, but I also spoke to a spokesperson of Edre Network, which is the King Network, Lorraine, for you that doesn't speak Spanish, which Lucha Underground is shown, the, the show is shown. So guys, I am proud to announce that officially starting today, it happened at, I want to say, 5.20 p.m. That one of the most major wrestling organizations. Oh, wait. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and open up this line, too, because our sound oh guy God. for once is late. Wow! <laughs> Woo! Our yeah. sound guy, the Matt. The one is back. What's up? <laughs> uh, okay so guys so guys we are all here together and we're all here to celebrate this one thing together Matt I George, know you watched them Matt <laughs> listen I could hold your hand because I want to you're, you're my property anyway <laughs> so uh oh electrical electrical coming out uh oh 
Guys, here's okay. the bombshell again. For those who are tuning in just now, let me just refresh myself. Today we got to sit down with Pentagon Dark of Lucha Underground, possibly the number one star from Lucha Underground. And the I got to meet with, with a spokesperson from El Rey Network, the King Network Ooh. for all you don't, that don't talk Spanish. Basically, guys, it was made official at 5.20 p.m. today. Again, Reality Check Radio. Remember the name. Remember the show. Big things are coming, and it started today with Casey Carlisle, and it ends with this. Step number one. At 5.20 p.m., it was made official. That. Drum roll, please, Rick. Here we go. One more, please. Here we go. Officially, part of the affiliation program of Reality Check Radio, we welcome Lucha Underground. Woo! 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 So, I can say it right now then. I can say Cero Miedo. Yes. And I can chop people yep. for fun now. Yay! Chop yep. City. Chastity. I need oh, more. Next, I next. need more. You're next, man. That means we'll give a little CM Punk. Woo-hoo. I got you. January. Listen, hey. Lord got bring a super chop for me. Hey. hey. I think all of us. George. Hey, guys, I think in the count of three, we all deserve to end the show with one quote. And that is the quote of the number one star from Lucha Underground, Pentagon Dark. For those who don't know, his saying is, Cero. Miedo. 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 So, guys, in the count of three, in the count of three, I think we should all end the show with that. Guys, Lucha Underground is now part of the Reality Check Radio affiliation program. Do you know what that means? (laughs) Because here on Reality Check Radio, guys, we stay real, but at the same time, and I'm going to close off the show after this, guys, so you could go ahead and disconnect. Ring the bell. Here, here on Reality Check Radio, guys, we not only just stay real. <laughs> guys, in the count of three, let's all do this together. All right. Uh, let me go here. Reality Check Radio is one, two, three, settle. Thank you all for joining us. Remember to come back next Monday at 6 p.m. right here on Block Talk Radio and get your dose of reality check. <laughs>